Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome to Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition. It's January 5th, 2021. We survived 2020. Uh, thanks, Brad, for joining Yay. me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm Gavin Pickin, a software consultant for Auto Solutions, and you must all know Brad Wood, another cons- software consultant for Auto Solutions, but better than just another. <laughs> okay, well, let's get into this. What, what episode is this? 85? Episode 85, yep. Are we still on track to hit 100 for Into the Box next year? Yeah, well, we'll talk a little bit later about when Into the Box is going to be because there's been a few changes. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about some Ooh. possible dates. Uh, dates may change, but we'll talk about that soon. But first, let's just thank our sponsor, Auto Solutions, um, for supporting this podcast. Without them, we wouldn't be able to make this happen. And they also pay our wages, so we like them a lot. Um <laughs> One of the ways you can support Auto Solutions is by attending one of our conferences, as we mentioned. We also have workshops coming up this year, and we have CFCast.com, which is our video content service, which we release free and paid content every week. So lots of good content there, Um, and the entire Coldbox Zero to Hero training is on there now, and we just released the 12 modules of Forgebox Christmas over Christmas time. So you can check those out there as well. And then, of course, we have some awesome patron supporters as well so we have 33 patron supporters that provides over 60 percent of the funding for this podcast now so Audis is only having to foot the bill for about 40 percent of it uh so thank you everyone who is a patreon supporter uh, patreon.com slash order solutions are where our packages are and we'll tell you a little more at the end of the show and thank everybody personally so news and events uh let's get into it brad do it i dare you Okay, so it's kind of funny on this podcast, we're going to talk about another podcast, but there's another podcast being launched uh, over the Christmas break by some other CFML community members, so this one's got some familiar names in it. Do you recognize a couple of them? Yeah, Adam Tuttle, Ben Nadell, Carol Hamilton, Tim Cunningham, I believe I recognize all of those names. Yep, so uh, the... I'll read the little spiel off their uh, podcast site here. It says, Working Code is a technology podcast unlike all others. Instead of deep diving to specific technologies to learn them better or focusing on soft skills, this one is like hanging out at the water cooler in a hallway uh, at a you know technical conference. So it celebrates... Who hasn't wanted to hang out at a water cooler with Ben Liddell? Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, so it's meant to be a really laid back, relaxed one and they talk about triumphs and failures of working as a developer and trying to make your career encoding more enjoyable so they've uh, talked about a few topics already i think they're up to episode three including or not including the little zero you know zero, yeah, so zero there, there was an episode zero so yeah apparently there's zero indexed definitely yeah. not a cool fusion podcast that's kind of the thing in podcasts <laughs> though to do like a little hey we're coming soon type thing yeah um, hello world is what it says so cool. yep um it's, it's pretty cool and they talk about burnout and stuff which is probably a good thing for the start of the year uh, not burnout. the kind of burnout you do with your tires nope the the mental exhaustion kind of burnout yep and so you can find that at redcircle.com slash show slash working code i believe it's on uh itunes and everything i was actually going to add it to my my phone so i can listen to it on my bike <laughs> 
So, uh, but yeah, got some good episodes, some really familiar faces from the community. I've mentioned, uh, seeing them at many, you know, conferences over the years. I've sat down and talked to all of them and they're good people and, uh, they're definitely experienced. So it'd be kind of cool to see their, their take on some different things. So, so yep. So you got another podcast to listen to after our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Listen to us first. Obviously you have to, to hear about it right now. So anyways. So yeah, so that's uh, kind of cool, and like I said, it happened right before Christmas, So, uh, but I wanted to spotlight that for everyone starting a new year, get some new habits, and uh, podcasts can be a big part of that, so cool. So we also have a new AMI. Um, yeah. People have been asking for a Lucy AMI, which is basically, a, I forget what it stands for, an image for uh, AWS to kind of give you a template for a machine. People have been asking for that for basically the day Lucy launched, I think. Like, you're going to have Lucy AMIs? Um, and a few companies, you know, would, would promise it, but it never happened. But Ortis, Ortis stepped up. Thank you, Charlie. Amazon machine image. I had a brain fart. Ortis <laughs> provided the community with uh, supported um, Lucy AMIs. Obviously, Adobe has uh, their own for Cold Fusion. Well, actually, I think they've done through a third party. But there's always been Cold Fusion AMIs, but there hasn't been... Um, Lucy ones. So it looks like we have a, uh, a second version of it. I actually missed this announcement. This came out December 30th and it totally went under my radar. Yeah. So I know that the first one um, was a Linux based one. And so the second one is for those who love windows. So this is actually yeah. a windows based image. I've got uh, a lot using... of people saying, do you have that in windows flavor? <laughs> <laughs> yep. So this one has windows 2019 bond code, Tomcat, uh, Tomcat and... nine. So it's, yep. Everything's so... up to date. Yeah, um, George Murphy helps us a lot on these. Uh, he works with a lot of government clients and customers, and they have to have extremely locked down servers. Uh, <laughs> and so he does this day to day. And so he's helped us um, come and make sure that this Windows machine and the Tomcat settings are all locked down to give you a highly performance, secure uh, image. So yeah, and so my understanding it does have command box on the image, so you can run tools like cfconfig. Um, or other, you know, task runners you might have, but it is just a standard Tomcat based installation of Lucy itself. Um, that way, if you have multiple web contexts, you need to be able to deploy on it. Uh, there's no limitations there. Yep, exactly. And so a lot of people, uh, are leaning this way, uh, and it, it definitely makes it nice, uh, you know, nice and secure. You don't have to worry about how to, you know, what best practices should you use or everything. We used all of our experience and expertise to, to give you these. And so this is the second one and we'll share the blog post in the chat. And yeah, there's a little the teaser notes. there in the blog post about some content box AMIs coming soon. So that's exciting. Yeah. So uh, I know we're, we're wanting to keep churning these out. Uh, a lot of people will say, you can just give us an image for that. And obviously we have Docker stuff as well, but the AMIs is you know, a nice way to spin up a, a machine um, from a base image. And yeah, it, uh, definitely well received. So cool to have another one of those out. So keep up the good work team. Okay. So uh, speaking of command box, it looks like yeah. Matt Comente is going to be on the next online CF meetup on Thursday, the 7th uh, from 11 to 12 central time. And he's going to be talking about code and tell, building your own tools with command box. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this. I actually suggested uh, to uh, the online meetup guys, they talked to, to Matthew Clemente about doing this talk because I thought it was a really good version. Um, I like how he covers it. So if you yeah. if you want to play around with uh, with command box and learn some more of that stuff, Matthew does a really good 
overview of it. Yeah, he talks been, slower than I do, so it's actually easier to understand. I think. <laughs> yeah, and he's been uh, working pretty pretty good with Command Box. A lot of his live streams that he does uh, includes Command Box in various ways. So, uh, if you want to find out more about what you could expect, uh, you can check out his YouTube channel, and we've got links in previous episodes to a lot of his content. So. So yeah, so a little light on the news, uh, this obviously over the holiday period, um, but we've got some CFCast content for you. So with CFCast, as we mentioned, we were releasing the 12 modules of Forgebox Christmas and those Coldbox Zero to Hero workshops. So over the last couple of weeks, because we did have a week off to let everybody's brain uh, unwind for a little while. And so all of those videos are now uh, released. So we have all 12 of the, um, Forgebox Christmas videos, and we have all, I think, 31 or something of the Coldbox Zero to Hero workshop. Um, so a lot of good content all there, all out. So if you've got a, a free account, you can see all the 12 modules of Forgebox Christmas. If you've got a paid subscription, you can look at the Coldbox Zero to Hero workshops or just purchase that one individually. You can do that now as well. So, um, But if you go to cfcast.com, you can check out both of those and all the other free content there as well. Okay. So conferences, so new year, new conference list. We just deleted everything from that list. All those three month long, uh, conferences, AWS had, they're all gone. <laughs> three month long conferences. That was three weeks, but I wanted to exaggerate a little bit. <laughs> yep. So, so right now plan for 2021, nothing. But <laughs> absolutely nothing. <laughs> but uh, we have some oddest things planned, and so uh, I want to just make sure we're clear. Dates are subject to change, um, but this is what we're planning. So start of the year, New Year's resolutions, and all that. We're planning to to basically deliver the following things from oddest to the community. So we have several workshops. So we have the quick workshop that we had to reschedule late last year. So we have the quick workshop coming up. We have a command box zero to hero, probably led by Brad. We have a cold box zero to hero workshop and we have a cold box hero to superhero workshop planned. So uh, those dates will be coming soon. We're just trying to get a little more information on that. So those are the workshops we're, we're planning, but we also have some conferences and things have changed up a little bit with COVID. So uh, this year it looks like instead of being our normal into the box conference in May, we're actually going to do an Autist Developer Week. Haven't had one of those in a while. No, we haven't. That was originally the, the Coldbox Developer Week, which we shamelessly stole from Adobe's Cold Fusion Developer Week. Yep, and so I think we had seven years of that before we uh, finally retired it because we realized that Into the Box was taking over and we were doing more content for that. So mm -hmm. we did overlap them a couple of years. But so Autos Developer Week we're planning to hold in May, so May 2021. Um, and then we're looking at doing a, a virtual live European summit, so an Into the Box Europe, essentially, that we're planning for August 2021. So after the summer break there, and then we're looking at if possible with COVID and everything else about doing into the box 2021 as an on-site event in Houston, like we used to, but that'll be like September, 2021. So we're thinking if we do that, um, you know, if it's possible and everything like pushing it back further in the year, we actually have a chance of maybe be on doing that 
on on site in person in September. Uh, obviously, we don't know for sure yet. If not, I assume we'll probably go virtual with that one as well. And then into the box, the TAM. Um, it's been the last couple of years in December, been a huge success. And so we're planning to do an online uh, into the box of TAM again in December 2021. So that's what we're planning. That's what's possibly coming at you from Autis. Um, obviously, there's other conferences around. We'll, I'm sure we'll hear more from Adobe on what they've got coming up. And uh, hopefully, depending on how things work, uh, we might better get back into, uh, you know, CF Camp or something. Um, later in the year as well so as we find out we'll let you know but right now that's what it looks like we're going to have for 2021 from Audis, and obviously we'll include a lot of the community and try and get lots of speakers because we like it when people like matthew clemente talk about our products like command box right brad it's nice to have somebody else giving a different side a different point of view it is yeah yep so so yeah so that's what we're looking at with uh conferences for 2021 I'm sure that'll that'll uh, solidify more as we go through the year. Yep, exactly. So dates may change, subject to change. <laughs> okay, well, let's get into some blogs, tweets, and videos because uh, there's quite a few of them this week. And <coughs> who else would we start with? But none other than Benadell. <laughs> so this one here, it's actually kind of a fun one. So. This is the user experience of his microwave's 30-second button. And he says that even though his brain says it's much quicker to use the time cook button, he always uses the add 30 seconds because he knows what it does, he's confident, and that's way better than all the fancy UI that the rest of the microwave may do. You know, I, I love the add 30 seconds button. Yep. And it's funny because it's the kind of thing that a developer would argue against. You know, we don't need an add 30 seconds button. We already had the time cook button and we had the three button and we had the zero button and we had the start button. This functionality is covered, you know, but <laughs> yep. how, how easy is it just to go boop, get 30 seconds. And then cancel after. <laughs> and then cancel, yeah. Yeah, and so this was a, a really good blog post. I actually shared it with a bunch of people that don't do software, but... I work with them as clients. I'm like, you know what? This might be why some of your users are hesitant to, you know, try new things. And so it talks about, you know, how the brain likes to chunk work and how he's mm -hmm. talking about, you know, sending 10 Christmas cards out. Right. And I, I like the example because he says, okay, I could do this 10 times where I write a, a card, put an envelope, add the address, add the postage and <laughs> add the return sticker. But it's way better if I do it, write 10 cards, put 10 things in an envelope, add the postage and add the stickers basically yeah. i'm only switching down, context all four times thing. yeah, yeah context switching exactly exactly and so he mentions that and talks about it and you know so it was kind of kind of cool how he says yeah it prefers consistency over efficiency um you know and it prefers existing solutions so a lot of times we talk about things and we're like you know, someone codes a certain way in this CF builder, right, Brad? And it works. <laughs> it, it does yeah. what it needs to do. You have a solution. Why would you go find a better one when it's possibly more work that may not solve it or may solve it, but you have a solution. So why look? And so I thought it was really good, you know, and talking and here he directly applies it to web application development, you know, but basically, you know, it's just kind of interesting. Like, yeah, this is probably why some people fight change and, and everything. So... Oh, yeah, so See, I think I love what one of the big points about agile development is the feedback loop going all the way to uh, the end user. 
Because I mean, how many times have you you built an application for users to do some business function and you have in your mind how they're going to do it? You know, you've built this workflow and when you watch somebody use the app and you're like, well, what did you do that for? Like, what are you what are you going into that menu for? You, you know, we thought you'd go and you're like, oh, no, well, it makes more sense to me to do it this way. And you're like, oh, we've been building this entire app around a model that developers, you know, had that didn't match the actual users. And I think. I, I love getting feedback from like, I mean, how do people use it? What actually makes sense to them? Because then you can build a UI UX that, you know, that works with the people actually using the app. So yeah, for sure. Good advice. Yep. So really good blog posts. And yeah, like I said, for me, that was kind of a nice one to share with people. I have developers uh, or clients, like you said, that were building stuff for their employees. And they're like, why won't they use this? Or why don't they like this? And so I'm like, well, here's a good example. Microwave button. Everybody knows the microwave, right? (laughs) So, yeah, that's funny. And someone responded to me and said, you know what? I just broke my microwave. The only thing that works is the 30 seconds button now. (laughs) All the sensors are broken. Need to cook five minutes. That's right. Just whack the 30 seconds button like 10 times. Problem solved. Exactly. Okay. So next up, we have a blog post from Charlie Earhart. And this one was pretty interesting. I think it was in response to a question from um, James Moberg. Yeah. Trying to see what versions are actually running in all the libraries in Cold Fusion 2021. So obviously, you know, he answers the question, what is meant by the libraries underlying CF? Why do they matter, etc.? Can I just update it myself? So a lot of these questions are answered in here. And let me blow it up a little bit for those watching. But you can see in here, there's a whole bunch of different things. Anti-SAMI, Axis, Derby, EHCache, Elasticache, SAPI, EXTJS, Hibernate, uh, HTTP Client, Jetty, etc. So there's a whole bunch of different things that is built into the ColdFusion bundled in there when you install something. And I think I saw a tweet where we said this Hibernate 4.3.10 is probably not correct. Brad, is that right? Um, not from what I saw, and I think Charlie's actually in the chat. He never replied to that tweet. I'm curious if he saw it. Yeah, Ryan, uh, is it Panning? Um, had asked about uh, Hibernate because Charlie's blog post says it's 4.3, but it was 5.2, I believe, in 2018, Cold Fusion yeah. 2018. So he was asking, did that actually regress? Um, I grabbed Command Box and one of my Adobe 2021 installations and just ran CFPM install ORM and looked at the jars it downloaded and it does download Hibernate Core 5.2.11. And I even opened that jar and looked in the manifest file and it shows the bundle version is 5.2. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm assuming that the Charlie just has the wrong version of that, but I'm sure he'll get to the bottom of that. Okay, so it looks like he hadn't seen the tweets. Um, yeah, because I was yeah, just so I here. am curious about that. Yeah, because it says how to determine the versions and and so it's, it's also possible Hibernate has a handful of jars for different functionalities that are all bundled and they may ha- they may not follow a unified version number. Um, so I am a little curious because it's possible the 4.3 came from something but the wrong jar. Um, yeah. And obviously sure, there's a lot sure of stuff in there and it's, it's awesome that Charlie took the time to do this because I know everyone's going to be trying to figure that out. Um, because in the past, I know people have been trying to fight different versions and everything else. And uh, so if, if you do see anything that you think might be different or wrong, please let Charlie know. And then, uh, you know, we can try and get this, make sure this is uh, up to date. And it's, yeah, that's a great list to have. So it's kind of interesting that, yeah, jQuery is 3.1. The jQuery UI is in there. I guess some tags are still using jQuery UI. Postgres driver. Solar stuff, Tomcat. 
So yeah, I mean, a lot of times you don't have to think about all those third-party libraries as long as they, you know, quote just work. Um, but obviously, more not not more often than not, it's not really the case. Sometimes you find yourself into an edge case where it actually matters if an underlying library has been um, been changed. And with Hibernate, uh, like the CBORM. Um, Colbox module, for instance, dips into a bunch of those underlying Java classes to give access to criteria builders and detached queries and all that stuff. You know, and that stuff changes between versions of Hibernate. So um, it, it does matter in, in some cases, and it's not always easy to be able to tell what versions are, are hidden inside of inside of Adobe Confusion. I think it's probably going to be a little bit harder going forward just since they're modular. But I mean, that that's a give and take. I'm, I'm super happy they're modular. It's just changes a little bit about how they're stored yep for sure so but yeah really good blog posts lots of great content in there and charlie said uh, if you do see anything you know drop it in the comments uh he may miss it on twitter <laughs> if you do anything but, if you do see anything write your own blog post no just kidding <laughs> no but as usual thanks charlie for all your great quality content on uh everything in the community really appreciate it now this one, this one kind of tricked me. Uh, the guy who made the get CFML jobs, um, I think he t uh, wrote a blog post, and it came. The tweet came out of the CFML jobs po uh, Twitter account, so it really confused a few people. But regardless, uh, he's made a little site here, and has the Cold Fusion 2021 tutorial. So basically, he's gone through and tried to give all the tutorials for the different versions and it's kind of interesting to see the number of actual tutorials over the different versions too and so um, he's compiled a page here uh, for 2021 and you can see all the tutorials and resources for so getting started guides and enhancements and hot fixes and everything so it's pretty it's a, cool yeah it's a pretty cool list and then 103 the tutorials for Cold Fusion 2018 yeah, so he's got breakdowns for all the other versions too. So uh, it looks like some hard work to, to sort of gather all they these have, up. They have some announcements. I like me some announcements. Wow, I wouldn't have even guessed there was this many. Um, oh, I'm trying to see what these all point to when they all go through a URL shortener. I have to click on every single one. All right, so like Ben Adele's blog. Uh, I clicked on another one that's taking forever. Hidden Gems is probably Charlie's blog. Yep. Oh no. Oh, it's the Cold Fusion portal, but I'm guessing Charlie posted it. Yep. Wow, this took a lot of time, I think, to um, aggregate all this stuff. This is pretty cool. Yeah, and so um, Charlie said he's been doing that for the last few releases. It's an awesome resource that he does. Yeah, and I've never seen it before, so pretty cool. So. There's already 27 tutorials for Cold Fusion 2021. Yeah, the Adobe team has done a lot of work releasing uh, a lot of good content from there um, on the portal and everything. So I know there's some others from other people too. So Yeah, the portal is, uh, was a really a missing piece of the community, I think, for a while. A good way that, you know, the developers had to, to post stuff where everybody could kind of see it. Um, yep. For nice. sure. So, yeah, great stuff. Uh, it's nice to have all that in one place. So pretty cool. Okay, next up we have a, a 2020 sort of retrospective, so a little quick highlight of Audis's year in review. So we launched a few things. We launched the CFCast site. We also uh, launched the Box Life store, so some merchandise there. Um, and then the Modernizer Die, we had some conference edition <coughs> podcast episodes released as well. 
We have major releases. Oh, the Lucy AMIs. And then we have major releases of Sea of Cast, Cold Box 6, Test Box 4, Command Box 5, Elasticsearch 2, Quick 4, QB8, and Content Box version 5, which is the Alpha. Like it's a nice little like infographic. Yep. And so we had a couple of conferences, End of the Box Virtual and End of the Box Latam, which we did virtual. And it had 250 plus people attending. Mm -hmm. So that was good. Our Patreon supporters even listed. Yep. There we go. Some Patreon love right here. <laughs> so. Uh, obviously a lot of, you know, a lot of the work we do, I always should make sure we change that synaptrix to John Wilson too, because for the longest time I didn't know who it was. I finally figured it out, but, <laughs> but yeah, so that's yeah, a good little infographic summary of, uh, a year in review. Uh, we also have the blog post, which talks a little more about that, uh, the second AMI from Audis. So we won't go into too much detail from that. So again, it's just a, a little highlight here, um, but it's basically, you know, a Windows based image. And um, we really want to make sure those are sort of working for everybody because not everyone uses Linux. Not everyone uses Linux. Okay, so we have another blog post from Benny Dow. And this one, um, it's kind of fun. So he's talking about how Sublime Text 3 extended fine results tab is actually a living document. So I don't know if you've noticed this or not before when you've been using it, but when you search, you can actually write notes in here. You can edit it. You can delete the entries as you go through them. Uh, it's kind of neat. Uh, so we wrote this did a little video demo to sort of show you how it works and everything. Uh, the only thing he did mention at the bottom is when you go to close that, it's not like an un, you know, like a normal page where it'll warn you that you've got unsaved changes. Uh, it'll just close it. So if you are making notes or to dos in there or something, you got to be a little more careful. Uh, That's funny. But yeah, it's actually pretty neat. And um, I think is it in, I know in VS Code. I think there's a way you can actually edit all the files in one like in the search results. You can actually change the results of the files from the search. One of the extensions does that. I don't think this is the oh, case. Yeah. Like, this is like, just like an in-place edit kind of thing? Yeah. So I don't mm. think Sublime does that. Uh, it's more the results are just in a text format that you can use. But um, it's pretty cool. So anyway, a little video there. So I thought that was kind of neat for those using Sublime text. Uh, maybe you didn't know about that. And yeah, I wonder. I know VS Code's kind of like their search interface, but there's always ways to improve it. A couple of extensions do some pretty cool things with it. So, okay. Some more Since, from Ben here. What yeah, because when Ben goes on holiday, he writes more. So he's got <laughs> some content still. Most people take a break. This is his break. So this was kind of interesting. So again, he's been dealing with some uh, transitions in MySQL to 5.7, and they're working with uh, extracting row metadata. And so. A few of these things are probably pretty common uh, and we're pretty familiar with. Like if you count asterisks, it'll count all the rows in a given set based on the group by. Uh, if you count a column, it'll count the number of non-null values in that column, again, by group by. Distinct column, again, pretty similar. But this one... You know, I just me. went through all that when I implemented that in the Lucy's internal query query support recently. Yeah, so... I, I actually had never realized that when you do count column, it does non-null values. I just, 
I had never realized that. I always assumed it counted everything. And then I was surprised when I realized that all those years I had I had the wrong idea about it. Well, usually you just count an ID, so it's usually not no. But well, yeah. I, so I usually do count star because it's like you know lazy whatever, um, or count one. Which if you do a literal, then it doesn't matter. But yeah, if you do count on a column name, it's only non-null values. Yeah, the distinct one is good too. How many different ones you got there? But the expression one is that something that the that we support now? No, I did not add support for that in Lucy's. Oh, well, actually, maybe did I? I have to look to remember. Uh, I know I had a support for throwing distinct in there in Lucy's query query. Um, I don't think I did um, expressions, but yeah. So the expression one was kind of neat. It gets pretty. Uh, it gets pretty tricky. But Ben's right. That's a super handy, um, super handy functionality. Yeah. So you can throw in things, you know, like name equals something or null or you know any expression basically um, can work in there. So it's kind of neat. So you can do something like this. And you know, get the results in a nice count. So you can say there's seven unique, two are Annie, you know, three are best friends, and there's a total of nine in the list. You know, so you can really do some good aggregation with that. So, so yeah. But as usual, nice and thorough, lots of details there. So, yeah, I've was... used I've used stuff like this a lot to get nice uh, aggregates where I'll stick like a case statement or something, um, you know, inside of the count, or even sometimes I'll do a a sum where I'll have an expression that outputs a zero or a one, and yeah. then I'll sum it up to get a count of, you know, records that match a certain criteria. Yeah. What's cool about that is if you do a group by with a having or a where, and you filter on one criteria, you can do a count. But if you do a bunch of like sums with an expression that basically has individual where clause, you can get a, you know, a bunch of columns out of, out of one select. Yeah. And typically in my experience, SQL server usually uh, optimizes that pretty stinking good. And I'm sure my SQL does as well. Yeah. That's cool. Okay, so Ben has another one, but a little more fluffy this time. So this fluffy. one's about one unhappy user is a tragedy. One one thousand unhappy users is a statistic. <laughs> so little Mother Teresa quote in here, but basically talks about you know how we got to use compassion. It's a muscle it requires practice, you know, and and basically it's you know. For most companies, that's something that's critical. And so it talks about, you know, identifying with an individual and like I said, a little more soft skills, but uh definitely definitely a nice one to read and to to remind us that yeah, you know, behind all your stats there are people and you know, if we can try and focus on the that one user in front of us, you know, try and make them happy, then overall it'll try and make more people happy and so but yeah. A lot of good stuff in here. Oh, even Steph Godin, quantum theory of customers. So, quantum theory of customers. Yeah, it's a book. Are your that customers atomic? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and like I said, a nice blog post. Um, you know, thinking about the individuals. Maybe I guess we could take a lesson from that in life in general these days. Think about the individuals instead of just the numbers, but. And then one more blog post we have from Will De Bruin. So this one here is customizing your resource routing in Cobalt. So I uh, want to highlight the, the big thing at the end of this. He says, as always, Cobalt can make your life a lot easier. And if you don't like it, it's flexible enough to create your own solution. I think a lot of people forget that, that Cobalt uh, 
yeah, it has a set of conventions. We try and make your life easier. But if you don't like something, you can pretty much do anything you want with it. Change your conventions, change your, you know, the way you want to do things. And so that's a, a big thing to remember. But in here, he was using the resources, the resourceful routes uh, in Coldbox to make routing easier. But he said there was a side effect in the Swagger API that he was using. Because I guess uh, a lot of put and patches were showing up for updates. And so they were showing up as a put and showing up as a patch. And so when he looked in Swagger, he was getting additional, uh, you know, additional actions that he wasn't actually wanting there. And so he basically showed how you could just customize your resource to make sure that you only have an update, uh, a put for an update, not a patch. Um, so I'm wondering if that's something that the the newer version doesn't do because I haven't had that same issue, but maybe I wasn't I using it. The same. I mean, because the the resource you know function there in your um, in your router is basically just a shortcut for you know declaring a whole bunch of things that you can kind of just slap in and give it to you. Yeah. I know it has some basic configuration of saying skip this or only include this. Yeah, and he, that's what he's saying he can use the accept equals on all of them or or whatnot. Um, uh huh. So. You know, there's different I wonder if there it. could be like a global call box setting where you could register like an accept kind of thing that would just apply to all your routes. Yeah, um, and that's the thing because a lot of times you don't need the new or the edit, which these two red ones, when you're doing an API because these are showing the forms. Now, the problem so. with global call box settings that I can see is I don't know if I would want if I would want that to apply to like a third party module I dropped in. Yep. you know from another developer which may not have the same expectations i do um that's always it's always an issue you have anytime you have a global setting and you drop in some third-party library that's like well i don't want that setting um in at ordis we tend to have our apis all wrapped up in modules we rarely have any routes at the at the the Colbox app level it's all inside of modules and Colbox doesn't really differentiate between third-party modules and the modules app folders but yeah. even if you could specify it at like a module level, you know, all the routes in this module use some of these defaults and then it could just simplify your routing. Yeah. And interesting. And we'll see you can't exclude the patch if you're using the put for the update. So it's, it's not one or the other. You can't mm -hmm. exclude one or the other because they're combined. So interesting, Will. We'll have to, yeah, we'll have to mess with that because I think we should have the ability, like you say, because there is a difference between puts and patches. You know, puts if you're putting the entire object, patches usually if you're doing part of the object, but not the I've never object. used an API that actually differentiated between them. But yeah, you're right. That's supposed to be the difference. Update just one key or replace the entire record. Yeah. Or, you know, series of keys. Yep. And so, but yeah. So again, I, I love Will's blog posts. And even when he says, you know, he doesn't like the way this works, he always gives you a nice solution on how to, to make it work the way he likes it. And so very cool. Now, I did notice in here. Um, I'm modifying our show notes in the fly here. Charlie pointed out a, a one more, one that I think we skipped. You know, and see, we I noticed there were some issues with Twitter, and I had to do things a little harder this week because the cfblog.me links that the CF blogger was sending out previously, that site is down, and so all the all the short links that were using it were all broken. So <laughs> I had to work really hard to go find the blog post because I couldn't follow the links. So I apologize if I missed any others here too. But um, so this one is another blog post that Charlie had. 
So is a table of Java versions can wait a table of what Java versions can be used with what Cold Fusion versions, and that that can get complicated because there's a lot of factors that all yeah, tie into the so stuff. For those of you watching, uh, you can see the table I just pulled up here. So 2021 cannot use 13 Java 13 or more. I can use Java 12 and 11, but I can't use 10, 9, 8, 7, or 6. Wow, CF9 and CF10 can use Java 6. Kudos, Charlie, for even including Java 6 in that in that chart. <laughs> I would have been like, if you want to know about Java 6, get lost. <laughs> That's what I would have said. The funny thing is I'm pretty sure I have CF9 on one of my client's servers somewhere running Java 8. Apparently, it only is supposed to run on 6, but I swear I have it on 8. But I don't know. Maybe I'm um, getting confused. <laughs> just to clarify, I'm reading this post because I saw this come across Twitter, but I hadn't, I hadn't read through it yet. Is this showing versions that appear to work if you test them or versions that are actually like rubber stamped by Adobe to be a valid version? Because I have Java 14 locally, and I think I'm using it in all the servers I start. Um, and like Charlie has... CF 2021 and 2018 listed as not currently, but I, I'm, I think that might be a not officially supported perhaps. Yeah, possibly. And yeah, and Charlie just pointed out another note, um, which is you, you can run um, Java eight and cold fusion nine. You can make it work, but it's not supported. Uh, I said that backwards. No. Yeah. Java eight CF nine. Geez, just staring at this chart starts to make my eyes uh Okay, uh, so, so this is... Okay, yeah, so he's talking about what's supported by Adobe. So basically, you may find other combinations at work, but if you go to Adobe and say, I want support for this combination, they're going to say, yeah, that's not that's not officially supported by us. And it's Which, Oracle I mean, that, JVMs as well. Exactly, yeah. Um, and of course, in all of my local stuff, I'm using OpenJDK. Adopt OpenJDK, but I think if you're if you want Adobe to support your installation, you need to be using the Oracle JDK, which they do provide downloads uh, for. That's a nice chart, though, because it's it's really hard to find this information all in one place. You have to go through like a bunch of PDFs, some of which don't even exist any longer, um, to be able to figure out what versions will will work where. Yep, no, for sure. So that yeah, that's a Apple great 12. one. And that's officially supported. Uh, so, very cool. Yeah. So these should work, as Charlie's saying. These are what the you know Adobe supporting, which means it's it's very likely to work. Uh, you may get other things working, but this is the safe bets. So, good to know. Those are the safe bets. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Let's move on to find a job. So get cfmljobs.com has one new job and it's not just the week it's the couple of weeks so a cold fusion application developer in hyperdead telangania i always get those wrong sorry um so position there and there's also quite a few other ones in december you see there's what, about wow. 12 in december so if you're looking for jobs is you know canada the us united kingdom and india uh, a lot of good job opportunities there on getcfmljobs.com and follow them on Twitter for posts as they come out too, which is a nice feature. A job you featured managed to spell cold fusion with and without the space in the same sentence. So maybe they're, they're covering they're, their, they're bases. All their bases. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's get to our Forgebox module of the week. 
Ooh. And so this week we got stash box. So stash box. yeah, stash box. Stashbox is the log and bug management platform for the Cobox framework. This module provides a common interface for sending Stashbox logs to Elasticsearch. The module may be used with either direct connection to an Elasticsearch server or may be installed as a client-only module which connects to a separate instance running this module as a microservice. So, uh, and if, if I recall, uh, John just did some stuff, uh, some presentations on Stashbox. Was it for IBT Latam that he did it? Yeah, it was in Latam. Yep, you're right. So if you want to look at this, the, the UI and stuff is really sweet for Stashbox. Um, he's put a lot of work into it, and it's all built on top of uh, Elasticsearch for indexing and searching on top of stuff. And um, I was pretty imp impressed with it. I knew they'd been working on it for a while, but I hadn't really sat down and kind of looked at what they had. Um, we, we've implemented this in a lot of our orders. Uh, Ortis projects and John's uh, John's presentation on it, which is probably on CFCast, or if if not, I'm sure it'll be there soon. Yeah, um, I believe it's supposed to be. Uh, I'm not sure when it when it's going live. I guess I can try and see right now. I'm not logged in, so I don't see it right now. So I know they've been working on getting them edited, so maybe they'll be releasing them soon. So, but it should be out uh, here pretty soon. There's a lot of good content from that conference, so I'm looking forward to seeing those. So, but yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. I, I like the way that we set up a lot of our uh, tools as providers too, so you can basically choose your interface. You know, choose what you want to connect to and and work with. So. Um, I really like the way that the stash box stuff works. So definitely check that out. I need to watch that video when it comes out myself. So, okay. So next up we have our hints, tips and tricks of the week for VS code. And this one might throw a few people, um, SVN. So integrated subversion source control, uh, is the, the module for this week. And the reason is, is because I actually have a client that uses it. And so do I. <laughs> yeah. So I, I use there. it every week for one of my clients. Yeah. I'm just, so. I'm just happy they're on source control. I'll, I'll use SVN if that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a little different. Uh, I hadn't used it too much since I think year 2000 before I started this project. <laughs> but I was like so used to all the cool features in VS Code, of, you know, GitLands and all these other tools that built into VS Code. Mm -hmm. like, oh, I wonder I if this does the VN. same GitLands kind of stuff. Uh, that GitLens VS Code extension is just pure gold. You hover over a line of code and it just pops up and tells you what idiot wrote it and sometimes just yourself. Yeah, unfortunately <laughs> for the blaming, it says, you know, please use a dedicated extension like Blamer <sighs> VS. But uh, well, that, that's fine. So you can stack extensions. No yeah. Problem. So that's, yeah, that's probably next week's one because I got to check that out next. So, <laughs> but yeah, so there's, there's quite a lot of good features in here source control view, quick diffs in the gutter, status bars, change list, add files, revert, edit, remove files, create branches and switch branches, patches and diffs. You know, so quite a lot of good stuff in there. Um, yeah, it's a lot of settings too if you need to tweak them. But, uh, you know, and again, something else that just makes VS Code work with all sorts of different projects. And although Scott says there is an SVN to Git converter. Um, <laughs> Talk to yeah. our clients, Scott. We're not the ones. Yeah, they, they like their 30 second microwave button, okay? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> just just don't create too many branches. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Keep it simple, for sure. Yeah, because that, that's really the main reason Git got popular, right? Was the extra branch. Uh, yeah, and, so, and SVN. The, I swear, one of the newer versions of SVN, I think, added some more capabilities to be more like Git. But I could be wrong about that. But back when I had first used SVN, yeah, we had this massive repo. We probably committed stuff that wasn't supposed to be in there. And every branch you created was like, you know, a copy and paste of the entire directory structure. It was super heavy. It's no switching between branches. And then, yeah, we moved to Git. And it's like, oh, yeah, I create branches for breakfast. You know, we're just these little lightweight pointers. Create all the branches you want. So it's, like, like you mentioned, it's definitely a different, uh, different mindset. Yeah. But it works good, and I mean, yeah, the app that I'm working in, I know they've got one that's 20 years old, and so it's kind of fun going through the through the code. They're like, "Oh, I remember that developer." <laughs> well, so. you get an you get an old enough app that wasn't introduced into source code until somewhat recently, and you go to look up the blame and all the files, and they're all just initial commit, you know, or initial import to SVN. You're like, ah, yeah, I, I've seen quite a few of those too, so. Hey, at least, at least they learn how to commit their own code. I've still got people that won't commit code. I got to do it for so. <laughs> Charge them double. Yeah, exactly. Well, all right, Patreon supporters. Yep, it's your time. My turn. So yeah, thank you everyone who's supporting us individually by uh, supporting us on our Patreon account. So Patreon.com/slash/autosolutions. Uh, they're spending their own harder money to support us and all of our projects, including the podcast, command box, forge box, cold box, content box, test box, and lots of other boxes. So uh, box, we box. definitely, definitely need need the support, and we appreciate it because uh, obviously these products are important to the community and to us. So thank you, Ben Adel, Brett DeLine, Calvin Stanton, Charlie Earhart, Dali, Dan Card, Daniel Garcia, David Ballinger, Tadia Lesnicki, Don Bellamy, Edgardo Caberas, Eric Hoffman, Gary Knight, Giancarlo Gomez, Jan Yannick, Jason Diger, Jeff McLean, Jeremy Adams, Jonas Erickson, Jordan Clark, Joseph Lamery, Kai Koenig, Laxma Tirohadi, Mario Rodriguez, Matthew Darby, Matthew Clemente, Mingo Hagen, Patrick Flynn, Ross Phillips, Scott Steinbeck, Sean Oden, Stephen Klotz, John Wilson, Synaptrix, and Yogesh Mathur. So thank you to every one of you. Uh, we appreciate it. And uh, hopefully you like the little blog post that had your name there. And also on slash about us slash sponsors on the Auto Solutions site. You can see all of these beautiful people. And some of them even have pictures. So, some of them even have pictures. Yeah. I just thought they all got the memo and wore the same red cape. Yeah, that's pretty cool. They're they're really just hiding behind our superhero cutout at the last end of the box. That's what it is. Uh, Boxman, isn't that what we call him? Boxman. Boxman. Yep. Boxman. <sighs> One day we'll see Boxman again. In, in person. Yeah. Well. Anyway, thank you, everybody. Hope everyone had a uh, happy holidays and uh, enjoyed the new year and. Uh, yeah, hopefully 2021 goes better for everybody. <laughs> Have a good one, everyone. All right. Adios, guys. Bye. Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io, where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Blue Tree Audio.